Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we're going to kick off talking about kind of players eligible. Actually, I won't say eligible. Players that are pending unrestricted free agents. And then we'll, we'll in future episodes also get some of the restricted guys. Basically guys who are going to be getting new contracts this summer. As the trade deadline starts to approach, I think it's a really good idea to understand where these players fall because if your team potentially acquires or holds on to one a guy, you want to know, can we keep him long term? And that's kind of the purpose of this is where do they fall numbers wise? We're about at the halfway point of the season. So where do they fall? Where's their contract going to fall? I think we have enough sample to make pretty pretty accurate predictions. So as as more extent as we kind of run more extensions through our model, they'll be available at the at AFP Analytics Twitter handle if you want to find some how we get to the extensions methodology. We've done past episodes on that. Um, the first Max Term Pod episode was on our methodology, how we get to extensions. AFPanalytics.com has some of our past performances, links to past sheets. So if if you're kind of looking for context with, with how well we've performed in the past, it, it is all there, very transparent. We try to keep those numbers out there. At Max Term Pod on Twitter, we appreciate you following there, subscribing to this podcast, all major platforms. Uh, any questions can be directed at the at AFP Analytics or our personal Twitter handles are also found easily there feel free to hit us up with any questions thoughts but we're going to try and uh, kind of do these extension episodes we're going to start at probably the top biggest names i think of the of the potential unrestricted free agents right now i think they're the biggest names maybe they might not be the all the top dollar no players but we'll st we'll start we'll start here we got four players we're going to start off with and uh, we'll kind of work our way through with this episode and then future episodes laying out the landscape, laying out their team situation to an extent where we have them slotting in and all that good stuff. Some of the comps, how we got there. So with that, let's jump into who's probably the t top player that's up for a contract after... William Nylander, who would have been a unrestricted free agent this this summer. Sam Reinhart, Florida Panthers, absolutely killing it this season. He is going to pro probably get his first long-term contract of his career. So where where we have him falling? Eight years, 11.43% of the projected $87.5 million salary cap, which works out to basically $10 million a year. So eight years, $80 million. Of course, the only way he can get that eight-year contract is by re-signing with the Florida Panthers or them trading his rights to another team prior to deadline, which is not going to happen, or working out a sign-and-trade before July 1st, basically. Yeah, so... I think we both share this opinion that Sam Reinhardt has been one of the more underrated forwards in the NHL for the, I'll say the past few years, maybe even slightly longer, but it's really been noticeable the past few years. 
last year in Buffalo, well, his his last year in Buffalo, and then last year in Florida, and this year, like you said, he's he's going nuts. Great year to be scoring so many goals in your contract year. It should pay off for him. So that 10 mil, there are some comps that help us get there. So I'm going to list five names here, and we, we can talk through them. Anze Kopitar, Mika Zibanejad, Johnny Goudreau, Jonathan Uberdo, and Bo Horvat. Now, I actually like this group a lot because I don't think he necessarily matches one player perfectly. There is one that sticks out to me more so than the others, but there's an aspect of Anze Kopitar that I think really fits part of Sam Reinhardt's game. There's an aspect of Johnny Goudreau's game that I think Reinhardt flashes at times and is really flashing this year. But I, I guess I'd start with Kopitar, and really it's the defensive ability, in my opinion, that fits. I mentioned Goudreau, and I was really hinting towards the goal scoring. I like the Jonathan Uberdo comparison. And I don't fully know why, because I actually like Sam Reinhardt as a player a little bit better, at least looking at his well-rounded game. But these are all elite players. Some are doing it at center, others on the wing. I think it's important to mention that Sam Reinhardt, while he's playing primarily wing, he has shown the ability very much so to play center if need be I think that ability is worth a little bit and I think ultimately will help him for sure secure 10 mil a year the big question for me is does it happen with Florida or with a different team and that's part of a much larger conversation of Florida's cap situation so I I Personally, I don't know what to expect for Sam Reinhart. Seven or eight years, seven being on the open market. I almost lean towards that being more likely than not. And that's, again, personal opinion. That's not with any type of knowledge. But ultimately, I, I think he ends up being the highest paid, at least from an AAV perspective, of free agents this offseason, again, not including Nylander, like you mentioned. I do think those deals are related, though. I think to an extent, yes. Um, honestly, the comp I kind of like for Reinhardt the most is kind of Bo Horvat, in that under the radar for a while, I think Reinhardt's a better player, but I kind of like the kind of under-the-radar two-way game, but then came on... And really scored some goals leading right into that contract. Again, I, I, I think Reinhardt deserves to be paid above Horvat, but I kind of like that comparison. And even Zimbenajad, I don't, they're very different players, but when you get down to their impact and their numbers, I think they're a lot more similar than you might think on the surface. It's definitely, I, I would say, similar career traje trajectories. Yeah, I, I, in you gave kind of the caveats there of you, you like Reinhardt more 
as a player, but and I, I do too, but I, I definitely kind of agree what has happened throughout their careers and situationally um, leading up to the big contract that those are definitely good comps. Huberto is interesting because he he got that contract based off of a performance on a very similar team. I mean, he was on the Panthers, and the Panthers team has not changed a ton from when he was there to what it is now. I know, I guess Kachuk's the big in and him out, but Reinhardt's been putting up the numbers basically comparably, so it, it's fair. I. I just I don't know why I don't think he and I, our projection reflexes I don't think he quite gets to Huberto. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to, and I think if Calgary could choose one to pay, they would prefer to do that with Reinhardt. But but that's that's 2020 hindsight. I, I think part of it is we mentioned Reinhardt being kind of an underrated player. Some guys are going to have name recognition help them get paid and I honestly I don't know if that happens for Reinhardt it's weird to be a high draft pick and I I think really it's because he had his career start in Buffalo um just kind of flew under the radar for a while and he's doing really well right now but he probably isn't I I don't think he's going to benefit as greatly as a lot of other players from that name recognition from the I guess the accolades of success because earlier on he didn't have a whole lot of that in Buffalo. I mean, I guess he, he maybe this year is getting a little bit more. He was the Florida yes. Panthers own, like what each, each team got one representative, like guaranteed name to the all-star game and Sam Reinhardt got it, which, which was a little surprising over again, name recognition, Barkov, Kachuk. But Reinhardt certainly deserves it performance-wise. Yeah. And he, I think uh, like on the same wave there is he's not someone you're seeing frequently on SportsCenter Top 10, for example. Like He's not one of those guys that is scoring the highlight real goals. He's just, he's just a smart hockey player who scores smart hockey goals. Yeah. He's and, and he just well. good at hockey. Yes. So he's not super flashy, but he's an all-around very good player. So so we have we have 8 years at about 10 million. That would be 11.43%. That's our projection. There's some other forwards that we want to get to this episode, but I kind of want to go the to the defenseman that we have first because it's Really, the same situation as far as the team that they're on. Brandon Montour. So you ran this through, got to seven years. Um, we're looking at a 9.8% of the cap, and that puts him at just under 8.6, so like a 8.57, 8 8.58 AAV. Which I will say for Brandon Montour, if you said mentioned this three years ago, you'd be laughed out of the building. Got away from Buffalo to Florida and found his game. There was a little worry at, I would say, the beginning of this year with his injury, but he's come back and looked... He's still playing very good hockey. What is 
interesting is looking at these comps, you kind of see the variation as far as the play level. And it's not knocking any of these names, but we've got a comp of Roman Yossi and Dougie Hamilton, but we've also got Kevin Shattenkirk. And I think that's actually very fair because of the recent history of Montour kind of mentioned it. Buffalo, it did not go well and coming to Florida. Now it's, he's a top defenseman. So that whole situation's kind of being referenced in this projection. One deal that I didn't necessarily, one comp, I guess I, that was, that I was kind of on the fence about including Devon Colorado avalanche. So he's not included in to get to our eight, almost 8.6 but including him really is not moving the needle a ton it's it's taking it from just over 8.5 to just under 8.5 so like right in that same ballpark still looking at seven years I one of the comps that I like a lot is John Carlson for um for Montour in that good like people knew he was kind of good kind of good but then something clicked and suddenly he's there on the scene one of the best defense or at least one of the best offensive output defensemen in the leagues so Carlson to me might be might be kind of the best comp for I kind of like play style and that also is really contract wise John Carlson nine uh 9.7% of the cap, eight years, which is right where, I mean, we have one last year for Montour, but basically right there. So if you're looking for, oh, why why do we have that projection? John Carlson. I think that's that's your comp. I think it makes a lot of sense. And you just have to remember the cap's finally going back up. Again, these are under an assumption of an $87.5 million cap. So cap going back up you might say wow that's a lot of money but reality is is it's the same percentage as john carlson got yeah and i think he's very much so earned it but let's kind of bring this full circle we began talking with sam reinhardt said okay eight years 10 mil for reinhardt now we're saying seven years 8.5 8.6 for montour well, okay, so let's we're saying eighteen, nineteen million dollars for two players this off season. That's not easy for a Florida team, especially a Florida team that is going to have to give Anton Lindell a new deal and down the road it's not quite as pressuring right now, but down the road you have a Carter Verhage, a lesser extent of Sam Bennett. It's going to be hard to fit all of these players, and it's. I, th- I think one thing to highlight and keep remembering is with Reinhardt projected at eight years, could very well end up being seven because it's very possible he walks to another team. If I'm Florida, it's very hard to decide if I had to pick one of these two. I almost lean Montour. Gives me a little more money to use elsewhere i also look at the defense and it starts to get very thin if montour is gone and 
it's not to downplay Reinhardt's impact at all because he's been outstanding this year and even last year for Florida, but what they have up front in the forward group is a little bit deeper than on defense. So I'm not saying it gets to the point where it's one or the other, but it would not at all shock me. Let me put a quick little context to you mentioned that if Reinhardt were to walk in free agency seven year deal, which is which is 100 percent correct in the comps that basically were spit out for Reinhardt Goudreau, Johnny Goudreau was the only one who actually got a seven year deal. So in cap hit percentage wise, that's right. It's a little bit higher, but it's right there. So. Um, Goudreau's cap hit percentage was 11.82 Reinhardt we have projected 11.43 not that again not that different and if he were to hit the open market that's he's probably getting Goudreau's contract in the under the current salary cap maybe yeah. a little bit so, more. so I, I guess in a slight rephrasing of that so the eight years 10 mil that we had I if if he walked and it was seven, seven years, I would expect, like, I, I would almost be a little shocked if it was still 10 mil and not 10 and a half ish. Yeah. I, I'm. It's, it's going to be interesting for Florida. I, th- I think if I had to put money on it right now, which I don't have to, and I don't want to, it would be Montour stays, Reinhardt ends up walking. I think another interesting kind of thing with both of these players is Montour's come on strong a little bit late. Like the peak in his career has been is more now. So like he hasn't maybe had the production to have gotten a bigger payday before, but neither of them have really gotten a big contract. And Reinhardt in particular, I think has been, I'd almost say screwed out of a big contract a couple times. Yeah. Like he's deserved, he's deserved a commitment before. I think he's going to want that commitment and he's going to want that money. Like a lot of times we talk about, Oh, hometown discount can talk about Florida, no state income taxes, all that stuff. But Reinhardt probably has not gotten his market value yet in his career. This is his time. I think, I think he's, should take advantage of it, and I kind of hope he does for his sake. Yeah, and honestly, he has... Now, I I don't want to put words into his mouth at all. Um, this could very well not be the case. But he's kind of played second fiddle his whole career. And I don't know if that's something he cares about, but I, I'm more so bringing this up because there are a lot of teams where he would walk in and be the top forward. And I wonder if there's some situations out there that are actually pretty attractive to him where he is going in as the top forward on a good team. So in in that sense too, I, I wonder if he could kind of be lured away and it kind of be almost giving him the reins to another team where he's, I mean, honestly with Florida, he's not second fiddle. He's fifth, probably Barkov, Chuck, maybe not fifth, fourth. Verhage. Well, I I wouldn't even say he's he's not second fiddle to Verhage or third. 
I, I think you got Barkov, Kachuk, and Ekblad still seen as one of their top guys, regardless of what you might want to debate there. But yeah, I, I think there's opportunity to be a clear top line, top power play option on a lot of teams and pretty much potentially get a higher AAV. Not necessarily a higher total value, but maybe a higher AAV matters to him as a I am this good, I can prove it type of thing. So this is this is where I mean we've we've already alluded to it. If he would have to stay with Florida or a sign and trade would have to be worked out to get that eighth year. Yep. I mean, for context, even if his AAV was eleven million dollars, but only over seven years, that's still only seventy-seven million total value, which is still three million dollars short of getting that eighth year at ten. So, like it's it's interest it's an interesting dynamic but again can florida i mean we we started going there and we kind of circled back can florida put the money to both him and montour and, and there's we you laid out a lot of the guys uh gustav forsling another like guy that they're gonna have to pay this off season. So Lundell, Forsling um, are the big names. They're not the only names, but probably the other two names that will eventually hit on as we go through extensions. Not quite, not quite in this top tier, but that, that's a, that's potentially a lot of money that they're. I mean, I'm just spitballing. Maybe thirty plus million for four guys, and that's that's a lot of what their their cap space is going to be. So. Not to keep going down the rabbit hole necessarily, but you mentioned, let's say it's seven at an 11 AV. So it'd be three mil short total on eight years, 10. Let's say there's a situation out there where that's okay. It's a loss of three mil total, but that's it. Maybe it's, so you mentioned Florida, no state income tax. Sorry, I didn't fully finish that, but you know what I mean. Not necessarily everyone. There's other situations like that across the league. and Maybe a team like Nashville comes and says, well, hey, we'll give you, we'll give you seven years, 11, or we'll give you seven years, 11, two, five. That's not all that different. And he becomes the, well think there would be a lot of Nashville people that say, well, we have Philip Forsberg, but I would say now you have Sam Reinhart. If he makes it to the market, he will be the top player. And sometimes those contracts get a little out of control. So it could be tough for Florida to keep him. So I, I like Nashville as a fit. I'm going to throw out another team that just feels like it fits Sam Reinhart in and that's the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be a fantastic fit on ice in that he would be the top guy, but he would have other play drivers around him. And like him and Clayton Cowher, I think would make a tremendous tandem, then put, potentially put Logan Cooley or put Cooley and Reinhardt together and then let Cowher drive your second line or something. Like that would just, that would be a really good start to a long-term 
top six in Arizona, especially if they get an arena deal figured out, that mm-hmm. that would be a really good idea for them from not only an on the ice, but maybe a marketing standpoint too. So that's kind of the type of fit where I was mentioning, I guess it's not necessarily handing him the reins and being the leader top guy of the team. It, it could be, but just where it's like, Hey, you are very, very good. You're our top guy. Maybe he's looking for that. I, I don't know, but I, I, I like that fit a lot. So you mentioned Arizona. I mentioned Nashville. I guess to throw out three, I don't know exactly if it would quite work from a cap perspective. I think it could definitely work, but it's going to depend on possibly keeping other players, making some moves. Seattle. You know, we've mentioned in our resolutions Seattle needing an elite player, and that's Sam Reinhart. We mentioned, well, you mentioned more specifically, an elite goal scorer. That can be Sam Sam Reinhart. I could see a deal happening there, and now you have Reinhart next to Matthew Beneers for more than half a decade, and that could be huge for a Seattle team. So it, there's definitely other teams where he fits very well and i'll say this jokingly but um this is this is one of those if you tune into lots of broadcasts here here lots of talk about sam reinhardt he's from vancouver so going to seattle would be Uh, very close to to home and again and you want to talk uh, state income taxes washington state where seattle's located no state income tax as well so um they they do have a they do have a tax on uh capital gains and like investments and stuff so it's it's not completely free but um it, it would still be a pretty good deal for a sal- from a salary standpoint going going up to seattle i it's i agree of, i like that fit as as well it's one of the better situations a Absolutely. player can find themselves uh, in. yes yes and arizona even though there is a tax it's it's very favorable for players so again is is tax end all be all absolutely not but when we're talking about potentially bridging a gap between leaving 80 million ish on the table and going out to the free agent market tax might come into into play here because he he would be leaving a lot more on the table if he went to some well i'll just say jokingly went back to buffalo yep 100 percent and before we move on to other players, because we kind of did this for Reinhardt, we might as well kind of do it for Montour. Let's say he leaves Florida. Are there teams sticking out to you that could use a, I guess, potentially a number one defenseman or a very, very good number two? Can I start with a joke here and say the Buffalo Sabres really could use Brandon Montour right now? They also really could use Sam Reinhardt. Okay, that's 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 enough um, of uh, hindsight. But, but before you move on from that, how great would Montour have been in that crazy offensive style last year for the Sabers? Oh, it, I mean, yeah the the Sabers litter have two neat, probably two glaring needs, or had two glaring needs. It was a number two second pair right shot defenseman to pair with Owen Power. Brandon Montour would be the ideal fit. And uh, probably a versatile, like, second-line winger, 
to stabilize your forward group oh and a net front presence on your power play oh that's sam reinhardt ironically they had just traded both of those away but yep are, are either going back i doubt it but would they be fits probably yes. so so montour a more serious fit for him i mean i don't have anyone necessarily a hundred percent on the off the top of my head there's one team that you just mentioned for Reinhardt that I, mean, I would kind of like. Of course, the Coyotes. The Coyotes yeah. make sense for everyone. That's true. <laughs> Not everyone, but well, they need an elite player. And I and I throw back. You mentioned Nashville. I mean, I, yeah, he he could be a good in tandem, take some of the pressure off Roman Yossi player. Yeah, no, I very much agree with that, and I think it would give them a little bit more higher end talent, which. Obviously, they, they they could definitely use that. I guess looking through the teams, it, it gets tough because a lot of the teams that could use that top, top guy are in tough cap situations. Which, honestly, this kind of leads me back to Florida might be just a great fit, regardless of how you look at it. And it, it might... Again, it might be easier for Florida to keep Montour than keep Reinhardt, and if it comes down to either one, Montour is probably cheaper, and the need might be a little greater for a Florida team. I know it's not fun naming a new team, but I they, they kind of seem like one of the best fits, if not the best fit, for Brandon Montour. Yeah, I have another idea, and, like, Cap-wise, I'm not 100% sure, but it, it might be a little bit more feasible. That's the Dallas Stars. They they could use a defenseman. Yeah. Uh, they have they don't have a n- quite enough money coming off the book this offseason, but next offseason Jamie Benn's contract is off the book. So, I mean, they're they're projected to go into this offseason according to Cap Friendly. 13 this is 13 players with a on their roster with about 18 million in cap space so that if you use up 8 million of that on montour you're going to be pitching pinching pennies for your young rfas who you probably should go long term with so i'm not sure that that's an ideal situation but next offseason you absolutely have the space to do it if you're dallas and he would be a really good fit. I just don't know if it works, if it makes sense this offseason. Yeah, I, you might be able to move like a Radic Faxa, which he has a role on the team, but I, I don't think you aren't moving him if it means you can bring in Montour. Right? You can try and move a Dadnov as long as you don't trade him to a team he's supposed to be blocking you from trading him to i think they could make it work because i honestly I, I like what they've done at forward enough that if they needed to subtract a guy like that or even two i'm confident enough that they'd be okay and bringing in montour and how great of a defenseman he is would outweigh that issue um, so i i like that team a lot for Montour. I think they could make it work. I don't know if if I was giving recommendations that it would that he's enough of an improvement to 
kind of it's it's tough. It's yes, tough. it is. It's it's really too bad that Ben has one more year left because I think if you could have some of that cap space to pay him on tour, that's that's much a much easier sell to me. Yeah, I agree. One last team. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, and this is going to be another one that well anyone could sign there. Chicago, and we've mentioned the importance of trying to surround Bedard and bringing in someone like Montour could could be that. It's just how large of contracts do you want to sign right now as Chicago? I think that's kind of the question you weigh there. Yeah, that was, I mean, Reinhardt also could make sense yeah. there. But, I mean, when when you have that much cap space, yeah, all, all the big names. And we exactly. had talked about Bed- surrounding Bedard in the New Year's resolution episode yep. that was released last week. So if you didn't hear that, go check that out. And then oh, I'll, I'll throw a dark, ho- dark horse team out. Carolina Hurricanes could retool their, like, they always seem to like to retool their blue line. If they let like a Brett Pesci and or Brady Shea walk, who knows? Maybe they could go out and slide a Brandon Montour in. I, I again, is that the best move? I don't know, but like if they became a emerged as a candidate for him, I would not be shocked by any means. You know, I wouldn't be either. And another reason why is they were heavily rumored for Eric Carlson, and I don't think Montour is quite Eric Carlson. From an offensive standpoint, he's very good offensively. Pretty similar style. Pretty similar player. and it, Especially this offseason in comparison to last when they were after Carlson, supposedly. Brady Shea gone, Pesci gone, D'Angelo gone. That's over 10 mil. Now it, that's three defensemen you need to replace all of – not necessarily all of them but you need more than one defenseman coming back in but let's say Montour gets that seven years eight and a half eight point six they could make that work for sure so I I like that one and I I think with there's possible interest in Carlson last year it would make sense for them to have interest in a similar styled player in Brandon Montour and ironically cap hit wise they would come in almost I probably Similar. identically very similarly so and they're in a better spot this offseason to make it work than but, they were last year potentially I mean they they went out and signed Orlov which ate up a lot of that space which if they had had Carlson maybe they don't do yeah. I, I don't we're not with that that's a, that's a lot of what ifs on what ifs but I I I wouldn't be shocked I mean is is bring back Brett Pesci maybe the better idea for Carolina it might be I don't know but if they want to shuffle things around Montour seems to be a good fit to what they want to do let's hit maybe the biggest name but maybe not the biggest contract that might be available this keeps summer keeps it in Florida too which I like and we'll stay right down in Florida a little bit north a little bit uh to the west about a three and a half hour drive Stephen Stamkos uh, again, we last week we re- released a New Year's resolution episode, and we kind of previewed Stamkos a little bit in that. And we both basically landed on Tampa needs to make the decision to let him walk. And the fact that he's still he a deal wasn't done this past offseason kind of leads me to believe that 
they are strongly leaning that way. They're very willing to do that. So if he hits the free agent market, I wouldn't be surprised by any means. It's probably the smarter decision. Projection for him, four years, $6.8 million, so 7.785% of the salary cap. That projection might seem high, maybe, but one of these comps here makes a lot of sense for Steven Stamkos, in my opinion. So I honestly don't know which one you're thinking because I think both could make a lot of sense. Marlo? I'm really thinking Patrick Marlo, though. So here's my, I don't want to call it an issue, we we talked about this briefly in the resolutions. The underlying numbers of these two players, in my opinion, were better when they signed these deals than what Stamkos's are this season. And Stamkos is getting older like these players were. He's, I think, 33 right now. My concern... Well, I, I, I want to let you continue your point about the the one comp so here let, let's give both comps we won't let keep you hanging more so the two comps driving this are patrick marlowe and his stamkos's former teammate alex corn um age wise like everything they they make a ton of sense so the reason i like marlowe as the as like the comp for stamkos and marlowe's cap hit percentage we're talking in a contract signed a long time ago so like as we, we talked about it when we wrapped up. Is it time to start to get phase some of these contracts out? Maybe. But cap hit percentage-wise, Marlowe's was just over 8. So Stamkos is actually coming in, of course, a little bit below because Kalorn's bringing that down. But I like the Marlowe comp because player with one team for their entire career to that point, Marlowe, I believe, stayed with San Jose with this contract, but... One team, leader, leadership group, like captain, alternate to captain. Marlowe had played both those roles in San Jose, if I'm remembering correctly. Offensive score, like goal score, and just name recognition. T- to me, that that's why that comp makes a lot of sense. And age-wise, they line like it lines up as well. So, I I really like that comp. Again, we can argue that Marlowe maybe was a better play, was still playing at a better level when he got this deal, but he also did get a higher deal, which would be over seven million in today's kind of under today's cap. So, that's why I I really like where it comes in, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I I think. When you factor everything in, including the name recognition, Marlowe as kind of the higher comp, Kalorn as a lower one. It's kind of the, I, I guess we'll call it the ceiling and floor. It works. It makes sense from how this is actually going to play out. I, I guess... More what I'm saying is if I'm a team and I'm looking to sign Stamkos and I'm thinking, okay, Patrick Marlowe, I 
I don't know if I'm pumping the brakes, but I'm raising a little bit of concern and trying to give a little caution to it might not quite be the same player. Shifting gears kind of back to Tampa, I want to... I'm going to go through their lineup for a second. First line, and this is from Cap Friendly, so this is... Maybe not necessarily who guys have played with the most. Um, Brandon Hagel, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. Pretty good first line. Second line, Steven Stamkos, Anthony Sorelli. Fine one-two. Third guy on the line is Nicholas Paul. Seems a little out of place there. Line three, Connor Sheary, Tyler Mott, Michael Isamont. That seems more like a fourth line. Fourth line, Tanner Janot, Luke Lendenning, Austin Watson. I don't even know how Austin Watson's still getting NHL minutes. Well, I know how, but he's not a hockey player NHL level. On defense, Victor Hedman, Nick Pervix, Calvin DeHaan, Darren Radish, Declan Carlisle, Philippe Myers. Now, I'll keep in mind... There's some guys hurt, so Eric Cernak, Mikhail Sergachev hurt, Hayden Fleury hurt, Alex Baraboulet forward, he's hurt. So there's some guys hurt they are missing from this lineup. That being said, the depth of this team is very concerning. Um, also, really quick, Andre Vasilevsky in goal, Jonas Johansson is his backup. There's n- pretty much nobody coming in the pipeline. Um, They drafted Isaac Howard in 2022. He was their first rounder. Uh, Could maybe be good. We'll see in probably a couple years, few years. It's not going to help right now. It's not going to help next year, most likely. There's no one coming for Tampa Bay. They did it to themselves in a way it made sense. They were all in for cups. Now, when we look at what Tampa has to spend this offseason, projected about $12.4 million in cap space, and that includes Stamkos gone. His money's off the books. So with all of these depth issues, let's say they were to give Stamkos this four years, 6.8, you're going to have like a little over 5 mil to work with to fill out the rest of your roster which is like six guys five six guys if if they were to bring Stamkos back so they have about 12.3 needing to sign five guys to fill out their lineup plus three like uh bench reserve yeah. guys but and I would also like to point out Tampa Bay has taken a step back this year which was I think expected a little bit I had predicted they might be able to hang on just due to a lack of other teams' action in the offseason, but we kind of knew this was coming. If you want any chance at saving it, still getting decent play from Victor Hedman at age 33, you want to take advantage of that. Kucherov's 30, still playing really well, but if it takes a few years for... Guys, now that you're actually using some draft picks, if it takes a few years for them to get there, we don't know what Kucherov's going to be in three years. Probably still 
fairly decent offensively at least, but we could be looking at a Stamco situation like we are right now. So I don't I, I just having that full twelve point three or twelve point four million to use, I think that is extremely valuable for this Tampa team. If I'm running them, I see this as I need to try and keep this team competitive while I still have Kucherov, Point, Hedman, Vasilevsky even all rolling. And I don't think the best way to go about that is keeping Stamkos. So I I agree. I 100% agree. I'll play a little devil's advocate real quickly in, in asking and basically saying, okay, so we have Stamkos um, 6.8 million, four years. There's a chance maybe he does take a little bit less than that. But let's let's just say $7 million to Stamkos, hypothetically. If you were to let him walk, you can replace him with an equivalent salary-wise, but that's not helping your depth. But are two players at like three and a half solving things? Because then your second line is Sorelli and... I don't know who like that. Yeah. So that, that's the I think. Again, if I'm Tampa, I let him walk because you you can't get in this long term commitment to him. But I'm not sure that that's the like, I guess, using that cap space on Stamkos or some someone else or two other someone else's is still not solving the overall issue. Uh, but again, four years at that cap hit for someone who will be 37 38 when it's over is just not that's not gonna age real well and I, I think that's the problem yeah it's it's really a tough situation to be in and it really comes down to this is their window closed it's very close to closing i think let me let me ask a hypothetical based on some things we we had heard about in the offseason, potentially. If you could have Stamkos for signed to an eight-year contract, but a cap hit between two and three million, if you're Tampa Bay, would you do it? Probably. So, just I'll just throw that idea out there that maybe something like that ends up on the table, and that's what happens. Whether he plays out that contract or not, I'm not. I who knows, but um, I wouldn't discount that as a possibility if he's going to be back. But maybe from his standpoint, perception-wise, taking that for his star power would be maybe not something there. But um, I I think we learned this offseason that Tampa will try to be creative with some of these guys. Um, I'm talking about like there are reports out about corn about them having a deal a shorter term or a, a shorter um, a smaller AAV on a longer term deal out there for him. So I'm just I'm I wonder if they would put a similar type of thing on the table for Stamkos. I assume that they would, and because I, I think that's where you kind of okay we can gain some cap space here, still keep a solid offensive player and ultimately their captain so i 
I don't think it's uh we want to get rid of Steven Stamkos. It's more of we want cap space to make other moves. So if something like that was enticing to Stamkos, great, get the deal done. I, I guess time will tell. As far as other fits, some of the same type of teams that we mentioned for Reinhardt would make a lot of sense for Stamkos. So we, we don't need to really go in depth about those matchups, but uh, I, I don't think he goes to Arizona. No. That's not quite right just from a age and timeline perspective, but maybe a team like Nashville. But the thing with Stamkos is his AAV is most likely coming in quite a bit lower than what Reinhardt's will and ultimately will lead to him possibly being a suitor for a larger amount of teams. Does he fit with a team like the Boston Bruins? So that's an interesting idea. Um, I'm going to throw same division. Detroit Red Wings. Follow uh, Steve Eiserman from Tampa to Detroit. Yeah. Um, that's the type of move Detroit seemingly wants to make, and Eiserman would be doing it for one of his guys, kind of. And we, we've talked about multiple past episodes. Detroit needs goal scoring. Detroit needs goal scoring. Stamkos is a goal yeah. scorer. Whether that's the smartest move, I'm not sure. But that would be an interesting fit for me. And here's the other thing. When I look at Stamkos, if I'm looking to sign him, I'm trying to sign him to put on the wing. I think that would be the better fit than trying to run him as a center still. So if I'm looking for teams that don't really need him to play center, it could be Detroit. They've got some guys down the middle that that's fine for him to come in and play the wing. I, I like that fit a lot. Another one that I feel like is more fun. I could see the team trying to do it. I don't, know if it's a fit necessarily and my issue here is talking about playing on the wing Stamkos usually plays on the left wing it just seems to be where he's more comfortable and this star player usually plays on the left wing is also a right shot my worry would be the team would see Stamkos as a center but it, I think it would be fun to see the Capitals. And by fun, I just mean from a fan perspective of watching Ovechkin and Stamkos play together. Not fun from a roster asset management type of viewpoint. But I, I could see them trying to go after him. Mainly because Kuznetsov's not working as the center with Ovechkin. Or as the center with really anybody. And other than that, it's their younger players. And I would argue that they should give them a chance with Ovechkin. Don't know if they will. That that could definitely be fun, especially if Nick Backstrom's um, done and and he his salary stays on long term injured reserve. Let me let me throw out kind of two other fun, interesting teams. Probably not happening, but could Vegas make it work 
could, they popped into my mind could, because they have again they have the centers. I mean, that he where he could easily play wing. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking contenders got to be a cup contender. I would think that's where Stamkos wants to go. Wants to go. I mean, I still like the Nashville fit for some reason. Like that's always been the team I've connected them to. But yeah, but Vegas makes a ton of sense. And we've talked about the Florida Panthers pretty extensively. Let's say Reinhardt walks because they he gets they he prices himself out. Stamkos would be three million dollars cheaper. Could they pivot there? That could be a situation of for the Panthers, it's Reinhardt, just Reinhardt, or it's Montour and Stamkos and no Reinhardt. I almost lean towards if I'm the Panthers keeping Montour, even if that means Reinhardt has to walk, just from a kind of what they need. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. I I wonder if they would have a little bit of an edge too in negotiations being in Florida and relatively close. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd recommend doing that. Again, I don't know if I'd recommend committing that four years, almost seven million dollars to him. But it, it, if we're talking about okay, well, I, we have a need a left wing to help on our power play. Well, okay, there there it is, there it is. But I I I think my best, I think my favorite fit is Detroit. I, I yeah, I that makes a lot of sense. Again, if I'm Detroit. If I'm running Detroit, I'm not necessarily trying to do that, but I I think it makes the most sense. So, so Stamkos is probably the na- biggest name recognition player out there. He's probably not going to get. There's going to be a lot of players that get higher contracts. So, like the debate of how to go through doing these episodes, but I think we st- stuck with hey, let's pick the big name, big contracts first, and that's and that's where Stamkos falls, even though. We're going to talk about people in future episodes that, and even next, that are going to have higher, probably sign for more money. Yep. So the final one we're hitting on this episode, uh, we're staying in the East. That was not necessarily done purposely, but I think coincidentally, a lot of the top free agent names at this point are Eastern Conference players. Jake Gatzel, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so... This is an interesting one because he is usually one of their top scorers. That said, I don't know if he is necessarily viewed as a for sure, like number one scoring winger. So I don't think he's quite in the same grouping as a Nylander or Reinhardt. It's a little bit lower. And I I think you kind of have this right with this projection. Six years at a 8.8, 8.9%, which would put him at right about 7.77. So we could call it a 7.8 AAV. And kind of mentioning he's not quite in that group with the Nylander or the Reinhardts, the comps that we have for him kind of help paint that picture. 
We've got three here. So James Van Riemsdyk, Logan Couture, and Max Pacioretty. I feel like that that, that kind of explains it for us almost because we, we can see the differences in the comparables for these players too. It's not the elite of the elite, but very good players. For Gensel, it's... For me, it's kind of... He's going back to Pittsburgh. I don't want to say I've completely like written it in pen, but he just seems like a penguin. He's going to be on the wing with Crosby. And I wonder if it's kind of a situation where he doesn't really care to see what's on the open market and just gets a deal done when the season's over, or maybe even in season. I don't know if Reinhardt getting a little more than expected will pull up Gensel's value a whole lot because they're kind of in that different tier. So I I don't know. It just this feels like one that is a very easy. I guess right in and pen he's going back to Pittsburgh. I I could be wrong, but I, I think that's where I'm at with this one. Yeah, I I think that's that's very fair. Um, I I I'll say so. Some people listening might be thinking, oh well, Couture's a center. I mean, at the time he was he was probably fifty fifty center wing. He also did get uh cap hit percentage wise uh, a bigger contract than we're projecting so i i think i like the patch ready comp the best yep so we have again we have gets a little bit higher so especially if he went back to pittsburgh maybe it does trend that direction a little bit so now we're talking probably more in the like seven and a half ish maybe maybe seven two five if he's feeling a little bit generous i don't i don't know I would say if he were to hit the open market, I don't know why team just sticking out to me, screaming out where he would be a fit Carolina Hurricanes. I have no clue why, but I'm just looking at the team list. I'm like, wow, Carolina, that that would be an interesting, like a good addition for them. Yeah, it would be interesting. I would kind of assume it means Tara Vinen walks from Carolina, which... There might be, I I don't know. I would really have to look into that to see exactly how I feel about it. I think Teravina might be a little better all around, but Gensel kind of has a higher offensive potential each year. That would be an interesting fit. Um, I will say uh, subscribe, stay tuned to uh, probably – Next extension episode, I think Teravine and a couple other Hurricanes are gonna are gonna be falling in there because I think they would be next up on the list. So, Hurricanes uh, talking about, I think we'll be talking about their cap situation, their pending free agents next uh, extension episode. So, stay tuned for that. No, yeah. another team. If the player on his uh, career is over, that would make a lot of sense. Colorado Avalanche. If Gabe Landeskog cannot come back from that knee injury, yeah. Colorado would make a lot of sense for for Jake Getzel as well. I think they're the other one that kind of flashes a little bit on the on the cap friendly screen to me. Just kind of looking at team names, Colorado 
Yeah, but that's probably only if Landis Cog's knee injury, he just can't come back from it, which I, I hope's not the case. But No, I, I definitely agree. I think that could be a fit. I don't know. I, so I, I just I look at all these teams, and I'm trying to imagine him going there. I guess maybe like a Seattle Kraken, but I don't know if he's quite enough of an improvement on – what is in their top six like so we were mentioning when we were talking new year's resolutions for these teams that seattle kind of needs an elite i don't know if he's i I think gensel's very good i don't know if he's elite so is he enough of uh improvement on the top line over a jordan everly a jaden schwartz i think he's an improvement but not that much to sign up for a long-term deal yeah i was i was thinking like seattle was another team that was kind of standing out a little bit like he's a kraken type player but i don't know if that's really a good thing for the kraken i don't know if that makes sense for the kraken but he's again Jaden schwartz and him i would say are similar enough where yeah. and and Aberly, yeah that that's not necessarily where i'd go i agree with you but i that would that would be a fit that i think's there the last team I'm going to mention, it, again, is one of those teams we can mention for pretty much anyone, but I kind of like the idea specifically would be Chicago. And he's kind of your guy holding Bedard's hand, and it'll end up being Bedard holding his hand. But that seems like the type of move where you're not necessarily risking a crazy long-term deal. I guess six is still pretty up there, six years, but it's not like you're signing a guy at age 30 to seven by 10 or eight by nine or something. It's not quite as risky. doesn't feel quite as bad of a risk to take. That would be an interesting one for me. My only concern would be I'd wonder if they would have to overpay a little bit to get him there, which in that case maybe that feeling of it's an okay risk starts to turn into a risk I don't want to take. Um, but we could say anyone for Chicago. That's just one I feel like I actually kind of gravitate towards, might actually like the fit. So I'll I'll jokingly say, much like Seattle, I don't think it makes sense for the team. But at the same point, I see it from like that's the it gets us the type of player they've kind of added and targeted. Detroit Red Wings, like they th- they might think that he's that top elite goal scorer. Again, is he maybe? But I think it would be an improvement. Yes, and it's goal scoring. So it. I, that's a tough one because we pointed out a few teams that were, were saying they need elite scoring. It's very possible none of these teams are able to find elite score, elite goal scoring. Gensel, as a very good scorer, that might be what they need to do. That might be the best option. It, it could be the best option the following year, should assign Gensel. I... It's tough, but I I want to I I try to keep reminding myself how hard it actually is to uh, acquire elite 
players, especially goal scorers like that. So I don't know. I I feel like Detroit could could be a player for Gensel for sure. I mean, Pittsburgh's probably his home at this point, but he is from Nebraska, Midwest. So, like, Chicago, yeah. Chicago, Detroit would would be a little bit closer to childhood home, if you will. But I, I think, I think, I think Gatzel, it really depends on what you think of him as a player. We're clearly not viewing him as a, like, top line on any, like, plug him in any team. He's going to score goals. We're we're viewing him as uh he's very good but has benefited from playing with one of the best players ever for a very long time and is again that's not easy to do because Crosby's had lots of wingers throughout his career and not everyone's had the same level of success so so Getzel clearly has a level of talent and ability but if you view him as the elite goal scorer uh you might be more willing to pay what we're projecting, maybe a little bit more. But I I think we haven't pointed out with Gatzel yet. He's going to be 30 years old when this contract, when it or soon after the contract starts. So this is basically taking him to 35, 36 years old. And uh, that's that's starting to get to a point where ye, if I'm a team, I don't want to be in that business. I mean, the as the cap goes up, the if, yeah. if we're – if we're around the AV seven is not ish seven, I guess a little bit over seven is not bad. So I, I don't know. I, I the thing, uh, I, I guess to be a little more specific, another reason he isn't in that level with Reinhardt Nylander, it's defensive play or lack thereof. He's, not an average defensive forward. He's a little bit below that. Um, I think lumping him in with Nylander for that might have some people questioning, but uh, let, let's let's well, say Reinhardt for sure. Yeah, but I think Nylander is... I think there's mistakes, but overall... He's probably better than he gets credit for, yes. but I think a lot of... If any Toronto fans are listening, might think you're, yes. you're a little uh, crazy there. But, uh, well, there's... Uh, not to go down the rabbit hole with Toronto, but there have been players who have made five mistakes and the rest of the time are very good, but Toronto fans have hated them. But Gensel, th- that is part of why his earnings are going to be capped a little bit in comparison to those other players. Is There's a negative value as far as defensive play that comes from him. Factor in, he's 30. It's probably not going to all of a sudden be good defensively, although I, I guess it happens sometimes as guys get later in their career. He's a winger. You put him with a good center, good playmaking offensive center, and he will find a way to score goals, provide some good offensive ability, but that's pretty much what he is. So you can maybe argue, so I mentioned Chicago, you can maybe argue he wouldn't be so good to put next to Bedard because of that. That might not be the type of person, or t- I shouldn't say type of person, the type of player you want next to your generational super young center. We'll see. I We mentioned some teams. I really think he goes back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I, I think 
again wrapping up Getzel and pretty much the episode um perspective wise are the two top comps are JVR James Van Riemsdyk and Max Pacioretty Pacioretty at his peak was probably a little bit more of a you might think of as a little bit more of an elite player but James Van Riemsdyk's very much been a I guess he's redefined Solid. himself a little bit later in his career but he's been an offensive guy yes and a good second liner pretty much yeah and that's what gets old teams need that yes so 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 all that we said on Getzel, I think there probably are people listening uh, that would have expected us to have a higher projection for him. I I think name value, looking at his goal scoring ability, you might think that he might be more, especially when talking Reinhardt ten million dollars. But I think the reality is is it, it, yeah the reality it makes a lot of sense where where we have them lined up so it but name recognition but you just never know with name recognition and stuff like that so yeah uh so that's that's kind of our i guess our big names on the market starting it off or at least extension i i, I keep saying extension they it would technically be an extension but big names who will be pending free agents this summer so new deals very soon on the horizon i do want to say quickly that these projections could change um, heading into the off season, and as we get ready to put out all of our projections for the free agent class, it's not necessarily going to be exact to what we just went through right now. I'm sure for the most part, it'll be similar, and as we do more episodes like this, the numbers will be similar to what we end up with in roughly June, beginning of June mid-june somewhere in that time frame but they are subject to change yes i i was i was gonna get to that caveat myself but it's it's important as i was about to say it's important to note that these are basically mid-season projections and we're not setting anything in stone context is someone could sign that is a comp first ends up being a comp for someone else and pushes the deal up or down a little bit but at the same point, if you are listening, wondering a ballpark of where these guys are going to come in, I don't think Stamkos could be an exception if something injury-wise happens in the second half of the season. But I don't think these are going to dramatically move because we have enough samples. So Reinhardt, I'd say he's go- looking, if you're trying to like armchair GM for your favorite team, Pencil men around ten, yes. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit more. It's not a situation where we're, we're saying this to kind of cover for. Oh well, we've got Reinhardt at ten mil now, and in June we're gonna have him at six and a half. Like it's not that drastic. That's not really what we're saying. But things do happen. A slump at the end of the year could impact this. Gensel, for all we know, goes off the last two months and looks like an absolute elite goal scorer, and that could bump his pay a little bit. A Aiden Hill going crazy and net in the playoffs, that could matter. Big deadline acquisition. Seems like a regular third liner, but fills in for an injury and looks amazing. That Things like that will impact players' value. Um, and obviously, now we're recording this and you're listening to it in January. 
a lot can happen. Injuries can happen where hip surgery is needed. That's going to throw guys' values off. So we're not saying this as a expect something way different, but values could change a little bit. We could be looking at a player right now at $10 million who in a few months it's 10.3. That That type of change. And putting the bow on it, these were all done under a cap projection of $87.5 million. Uh, that's that's about where the NHL is predicting, penciling things in. But there's there's the TV rights deal that's that's out there. That's that can be its whole uh, whole episode itself. But that could have salary cap implications. So yep. the salary cap could suddenly be higher, lower, and all our numbers would would move with that because w- we get to percent of cap and then calculate the AAV based on what the projected salary cap is. So. If the salary cap ends up different, we could come up with the same percentage, but you could see a entirely different AAV listed just because the salary cap's different. So all those are important to keep in mind. But again, if you want an armchair GM, see where a player kind of is is falling. I think I think we're pretty pretty good with these guys that we've talked about, and I think we'll continue to be in the right wheelhouse for guys in the future. Yeah, this is a. Uh here's a number it's going to be in this ballpark 200 300,000 variance maybe so we're usually for depending on how we calculate our air we'll say say 300 to 500,000 dollars off so maybe maybe add another couple thousand on top of that for where we are still in the season so yes let's yep. say 800 800,000 I would I would bet most of our projections fall within 800,000 of what we're talking about in January when they ultimately sign so yeah a- anyways uh we appreciate you listening um if you do have want to see where our past contracts have been if you want to follow along as we start to post extension projections stuff like that at afp analytics on twitter is definitely the place to find all that afp analytics.com has some of the uh, methodology and past success as well written up um, on there we appreciate you listening subscribing to this podcast max term podcast available on pretty much all major platforms youtube as well any questions feel free to uh hit us up on on twitter and uh with that we'll uh, talk to you next time